So as we think about this series, Witness the Resurrection, uh, so far what we've talked about were two actual witnesses to the resurrection. We talked about Mary Magdalene, and then last week we talked about Simon the Zealot. And so this week's a little bit different in that this particular character, we don't, we don't know uh, who made the cross. You know, it could have been a Roman uh, carpenter that made or refurbished these crosses, but it, it could just as easily have been a Jewish carpenter. What we don't know uh, about who it was, we certainly can entertain that possibility. And, I, and I'd like for us to explore that possibility in this way. What would motivate, let's say it was, a Jewish carpenter? What would motivate someone uh, to abandon uh, a good trade, uh, a craft of making things for people in their homes, and instead deciding, uh, I think I'm going to make these execution <laughs> devices for the Roman Empire. Maybe whoever did it didn't have uh, much of a choice, but we can certainly entertain the possibility that they did. Here's why. Uh, imagine this. Uh, I, I do woodworking as a hobby. I don't have a whole lot of time to do it anymore, but it's something that I enjoy doing, and I've made different pieces throughout the years. And uh, I do know this. I know that it's a lot easier to make a clothesline post. You know what it takes to make a clothesline post? You get two pieces of wood, and you, you just basically you notch out uh, both pieces, stick them together with some bolts, and you're done. It's a lot easier to do that than to make a desk, to make a, a bunk bed, to make a table. So imagine that, uh, let's say there was this Jewish carpenter, and he gets paid $100 to make a cross. It's quick. It's easy to make. You don't have to worry about uh, sanding it down. You don't have to worry about putting polyurethane on it. You don't have to worry about, does it... Uh, measure exactly, you know, eight inches on this side and exactly eight inches on this side. It's just quick. Uh, and if you get paid $100 to do that, and then your customers, let's say that they would uh, pay you $100 to make a desk with dovetail drawers and uh, the, the, the mitered edges, and it has to be sanded smooth, and it has a nice finish on it. Tons and tons more time involved, and you get paid the same? Could we imagine someone saying, well, the math's pretty easy. I guess I'm in the execution cross business now. Could we imagine someone prioritizing money over ethics? Could we imagine someone prioritizing money over loyalty to your people? Well, of course we can imagine that. It happens every day. Lots of people are willing to prioritize money or power over things like integrity or family time or ethical principles or time with the Lord. It's why you hear people that will do something that's wrong ethically or uh, they'll do something that's not okay and they'll say this, I'm just following orders. I'm just doing what I was told. It's not me. Uh, it's, it's, it's my boss, and I don't want to lose my job. If I lose my job, how will I pay for stuff? You see how the line of thinking goes? You ever hear somebody say, you know what? You need to get your priorities straight. You ever hear that phrase? We might have even said it to somebody. 
What's that mean to get your priorities straight? What we mean by that is there is something that is in first position in our lives that should not be in first position. What we mean by that is there is something else that should be in a higher rank of importance. Something else should be getting our attention. Something else should be taking up our time, our energy, our money, our mental and emotional focus. Something else should be in that place than what is. That's what we mean by that. Get your priorities straight. Well, we understand the concept, but how do we figure all of that out? How, how do we sort out our priorities? Even if we agree with the concept, we agree with the principles that our priorities matter and that we should have them in the right order and, and put the right things on the priority board and, and take the things that shouldn't be there off. We might agree with that in concept, but how do we sort it all out? Just because you say something should be in a greater priority in my life doesn't mean that I care. It might be just as, as possible. Now, maybe my priorities are out of whack. It's just as possible that your priorities are out of whack, and you're going to tell me about my priorities? How do we sort all of that out? Well, I want to tell you about someone who I absolutely trust to speak into my life about priorities. His name is, as you might guess, Jesus. Jesus had a lot to say about priorities. Uh, he, he talked a lot about what they should be, what they should not be. He offered some incredible wisdom about how we go about finding the best priorities that should be on that list, the things that should not be on the list, and, and how do we sort it all out? How do, we, how do we have priorities that please God, that honor God, and, watch this, also make our lives meaningful, make our lives fulfilled? Jesus had a lot to say about it. I want to focus on this one verse right now. Okay, Matthew 6, 21 is on the screen. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Could we just read that together out loud? You ready? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to look this morning at three places that Jesus identifies as misplaced priorities. But as we look at those misplaced priorities and we talk about the things that Jesus said, you know, these things should not be your priority and these things should and here's how we sort all of that out. I think what ties all of uh, this together, everything we're going to talk about together, uh, this morning, I think what ties it all together is this verse. This idea of uh, our priorities really are a heart issue. Our priorities in life are a spiritual issue. If our hearts are not pursuing the priorities of God, we can almost guarantee that we're going to find some misplaced priorities in our lives. If we want to have the right priorities and we want to put them in the proper order of importance, then our hearts must pursue the priorities of God. Well, that is not at all what we hear from our modern culture, is it? It's like the opposite of what we hear on the outside of this, of this room. 
We hear things like, you know what you need to do? You need to follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Just listen to your heart. It'll, it'll guide you, which is just a kind of a nice way of saying, follow your own selfish desires. Well, if you follow your own selfish desires, what do you think their priorities are going to wind up being? Selfish. Most likely sinful. And Jesus offered us a much better way to sort all of this out when it comes to our priorities. He doesn't, he doesn't just point out the misplaced priorities, the things that should not be priorities in our lives. He also teaches us how to realign the priorities in our lives that are good, how to put those into the right order so that they honor God and result in a life that's fulfilling, a life that is meaningful, a life that is full of joy and satisfaction. I mean, who would want that, right? Who would want a, a life full of joy and satisfaction and, and, and meaning and purpose? I would. I absolutely want that in my life. Would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? We're going to look at the, the bigger picture of what Jesus taught. In the middle of it is that verse that we just talked about. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But I want to broaden out from that verse as Jesus talks about priorities. The context of what we're reading is a sermon that Jesus taught on a hillside where he talked about a lot of things. He talked about prayer. He talked about relationships. And in the middle of the sermon, he talks about priorities. And I want to jump into the middle of it with you in chapter 6, verse 16. Now, he's talking here about fasting, but we're going to find out that uh, the, the, the real issue that he's trying to get to is priorities. Here we go, verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and, and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Do you see the issue of priority here? Now, if you're not as familiar with the, the spiritual discipline of fasting, it simply means this. It's, it's a spiritual discipline of going without something so that you can, in your mind and in your heart, stay more focused on something else that is of greater importance. Most of the time, fasting involves going without food. It doesn't have to be that. But a lot of times, that's what people do. They'll go without food, and when they experience the, the pains of hunger, it is a reminder to them, food is important. Can we agree? Food is important. But fasting reminds us that although food is important, prayer is more important. Although food is important, my relationship with God, my desire for His will in my life is more important. That's the point of fasting. And this group of religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were known as the Pharisees, and uh, they would fast twice a week. Now, according to the Mosaic Law, there was only one fast required for the entire year where everyone was required to do that. Uh, but they were more spiritual than everyone else. 
And so they fasted twice a week. They didn't do it just once a year, twice a week. And they made sure everybody knew it. They would walk around that day that they were fasting with, with frowns and they just, they looked miserable and they were unkept and it was obvious that they were sad. Why? Well, Jesus said they're doing it so that people will know just how much they love God. We love God so much. Look how miserable we are. I know that sounds bizarre, but that's what they were doing and they were doing it to try to impress people. They wanted to have this certain status in the community. They were so much more spiritual than you. Why do you think people, I'm just asking, asking for a friend, okay? Why do you think people post pictures of themselves when they're on vacation? Why do you think people post pictures of themselves out there living their best life, looking awesome? I suppose there may be some pure motives involved for some, right? I'll grant that. But could it be, just asking the question, could it also be that it's about impressing other people? Could it also be that it's about, hey, look at me out here living my best life. I'm better than you. My life is better than yours. I hope when you look at this picture, you feel really bad about yourself. Now, we would never say that out loud. But I wonder if sometimes that's what it's about. You know, our our teenagers, they feel this kind of pressure every day. The pressure that they need to dress a certain way. They need to go to certain events. They need to talk a certain way. Post Uh, certain things a certain number of times in order to get noticed. Why? What's all of that about? The reward for all of that is social status. The reward for that is this social ranking. And I don't want to be here. I want to be here. So for me to move from here to here, what do I have to do? What do I have to say? How do I have to dress? What do I have to post? I'm willing to do anything because this is my priority. They feel that pressure every day. And it's not just teenagers. Adults do it too. We do it too. Sometimes young adults, they feel a, a pressure to pursue certain careers because those careers bring with it status. They're not asking the question, what does God want me to do with my life? They're not praying and asking God, uh, help, me, uh, help me find the right uh, job, the right career. I don't know what to do. I'm asking you, Lord. They're not asking those questions. Sometimes young adults are pursuing something because it will give them a certain status that they want. Sometimes, and not you, right? Not, not us. We would never do this. But some people buy certain things car, certain clothes, for what purpose? To impress people so that they look like they have a certain status. Sometimes, not us. I'm not talking about us, right? Sometimes parents are hyper-focused on their kids. They have to be this, uh, let's say, this super athlete. They have to be this 
this academic superstar. They have to be these things, and they push them, they push them, they push them. Why? Because in, in, in here, they're hoping that if their child exceeds and people are impressed with their child, what does that mean? Well, if your kid's awesome, that must mean I'm awesome. And Jesus said, status is a misplaced priority. Trying to impress other people is a misplaced priority. It's, it's not where we should be putting our efforts. Even if we're doing something good, like fasting, right? Fasting is a good thing. I would recommend that you... Uh, that you Try fasting as a spiritual discipline if you haven't done that before. Serving at church is a good thing. Serving in our community is a good thing. Working hard to provide for your family is a good thing. Playing sports is a good thing. There's lots of incredible lessons in life that you learn from playing sports and being on a team. Getting good grades is a good thing. But the priority in pursuing those things in our heart should not be so that I can impress some other people, so that I can gain status and have other people look at me or at you and say, oh, they are amazing. Yes, thank you, I know I am. The Apostle Paul said it this way, whether you eat or drink. Can we agree that eating and drinking, good thing, right? Good thing. It's a common thing. It doesn't even have to be something of, of, of tremendous importance in life, like our career that we're pursuing. Just the everyday stuff, eating and drinking. He says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all. Everything in life, do it all for the glory of God. Now, here's where it gets real simple. Let's say we've got our list of priorities, right? If it's something bad... If it's something wrong, if it's something sinful, we don't have to sit around and figure out where should we put that on our priority list. We don't have to figure that out. It shouldn't be on our priority list. It should not be in our life. Can we agree? If it's wrong and sinful, we don't have to figure out where it falls on our priority list. Don't do it. It doesn't belong on there anywhere. So now we're left with the good things, the things that have value, the things that have importance, the everyday things in life. And as we're trying to sort all of that out, we just need to make sure that we're not putting these things into priority in, in, in such a way that in our heart, we're doing it to impress others. No, we're supposed to do everything with this heart desire to bring glory to God and not ourselves. Bringing glory to God is the priority. Remember, where our treasure is, there's where our heart's Desire. So if we treasure, if we think there is tremendous value in bringing glory to God, that's where the desire of our heart will be. Here's the next one. Verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Here's our verse. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
I want to skip down to verse 24 when he says this, No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one, you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one, you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The next common misplaced priority that Jesus identifies is greed. Chasing after temporary things, putting money into this position of priority in our lives. When we do that, remember, go back to our priority list. If we take money, the greed for more and more and more, whatever it is, and we put that in this high position of priority in our lives, you know what that means? It means that in order to do that, to put that here, we have displaced something else down here in greater priority, putting that money or that greed up here in its place. So what might that be? Well, if we're putting money and and greed, desire for more and more in that high position of priority, that means we've displaced our faith in God. We've displaced our commitment to perhaps ethics. If money is more important than ethics, we've displaced ethics and put money over top of it, we'll make bad choices and our integrity will suffer. It's possible that money can displace the eternal priorities that God has for us. Things like sharing the gospel, serving Him, the value of relationships in our lives. If the only thing that matters to us is more, 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 more stuff and all the stuff that money can bring uh, into our lives because we want more of it, something's getting displaced. Something of better value is getting displaced. I know we've all heard the term workaholic, and we throw it around like it's, a, like it's a negative thing. We say, oh, he's a workaholic. And I know we've heard people say at the end of their lives, or maybe uh, they've raised their kids, they're getting older, now they're getting close to retirement, or maybe they are in retirement. I've, I've heard people say this, I wish I had spent more time with my family. I wish I had spent more time with my wife or my kids instead of chasing after more and more stuff. I worked and I worked and I worked because I wanted more money so I could buy more stuff. All the stuff that money provided, I wanted that. Now I wish I'd have spent more time with them. You probably heard people say that. Maybe that's your experience. And yet... I wonder how many people this morning had this exchange. We come in and we greet each other, right? How are you? Oh, good. How was your week? Oh, what's the word we hear? Busy. So busy. I can't even begin to tell you how busy my week was. And we say it in that moment like we're complaining, like we wish it was different. I just wish I wasn't so busy. The truth is, what we are hoping, not all, but what a lot of us are hoping when we say it, we're hoping that person will be impressed. Oh, they're so busy. They must be super important. They must have amazing things going on. I'm so impressed with this person because they're so busy. That's what we're hoping for. The truth is that most of us choose to be busy because we're chasing after something, and most of the time, it's something that's temporary. It's something that's not eternally significant. 
I'll hit pause here because some of you might want to beat me up in the parking lot or whatever, and that's fine. I'm faster than most of you, so give it a shot. It's not wrong to work hard, okay? It's not wrong to work hard. In fact, if you go through Scripture from the very beginning, from Genesis and, and a number of times throughout Scripture, working hard is an expectation that God has for us. God expects us to work hard. It's not wrong to enjoy things in life. It's not wrong to go on vacation. It's not wrong to take time to rest. In fact, again, that is an expectation that God has so that we have a meaningful, fulfilling, joy-filled life. That we work hard, there's fulfillment in that, that we take time to rest and connect with people in our lives that matter. This is what God wants for our lives. The heart problem comes along when we begin to put our faith in the money. When we begin to put our faith in ourselves and our ability to provide instead of God. That's where the heart problem comes. The heart problem comes along when when this greed for more and more and more becomes the priority. And now generosity is nowhere on the list. See, money and materialism makes this promise. It promises that it can fulfill us. But money and materialism cannot deliver on that promise. You know how I know that? If that were true, then every rich person that we could possibly meet would be filled with joy, satisfaction, fulfillment in their lives. You would never meet a miserable rich person. But we all know that's not true. If that were true, if the promises of money and materialism were true, that they could fulfill all of, our, all of our heart's desires and fill us up and bring us satisfaction, then every poor person that we would ever meet would be absolutely miserable, incapable of joy. But that's not true. Joy and fulfillment in life is found in our relationship with the Lord. It is found in healthy relationships with others. It is found in meaningful, eternal value work that we do. Serving God, chasing after His priorities. That's the priority. It's not greed. Because where your treasure is, the things that you put of, in, in greatest importance, I mean, that's, that's where your heart's at. Here's the third one, verse 25. Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothing? And he gives some examples. He says, look at the birds. They, They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And and aren't, aren't you... Aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? Now, verse 27, if if this is the first time you're ever hearing it, uh, I just want you to know that every time you hear this verse, even if it's 50 more times, because I can say from personal experience, every time you hear this verse, it is a smack you in the face kind of verse. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And we all know the answer is what? No. Then why do we do it? That's what Jesus is challenging us to think about. Why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the, the, the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. And yet Solomon, all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Isn't that interesting? That Jesus connects worry, anxiety, and fear to a lack of faith in our hearts. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Are these important things? Absolutely. These are the, the basic necessities of life. But Jesus said, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Your heavenly Father already knows everything you and I need. So I guess the question that Jesus is pushing us to ask is this, can we trust him? Can we trust him? So if, if, if we make this decision to trust God with meeting our needs, and we're not worried about that because we know God's got that, all right, what do we spend our time focused on? Glad you asked. Jesus gives us the answer in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Where do we put it in the priority list? Above all else. Live righteously. Focus on that. So if you focus on pursuing the priorities of God, focus on living an obedient life to God, that that's our focus every day, He, God, will give you everything you need. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's just get through today. You and God, me and God, let's just get through today. I'm going to trust you today. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust you with this. I'm just going to stay focused on pursuing the things that matter to you, Lord. I'm going to pursue uh, the things that matter to you. I'm going to do my best to live an obedient life. I'm going to stay focused on that. I'm going to leave the rest up to you. You see how different that sounds than what we sometimes do with worry and fear and anxiety. The third misplaced priority is probably more common than most of us would care to admit. I'm calling it fear, but it can come in different names, anxiety and worry. And I know when you hear those words, you don't think of, yeah, uh, I've put fear in first position in my life. I've chosen to put anxiety and worry in first position in my life. The truth is, if we are making decisions about how we spend our time, about how we spend our money, if we are spending more time with worried thoughts bouncing around in our mind than we are in prayer, then fear has in fact become this driving priority in our hearts. We might say things like, like I, I, know, I know Jesus has challenged me to be generous. I wish I could. But if I'm generous and I give, uh, I give this away, I don't... I don't I, I'm afraid I won't have enough. I don't know. Now, we wouldn't say it out loud like this. But if we can't be generous because we're afraid that we will go without and might not have what we need, what we're really saying is, I don't know if I really trust God to meet my needs. I know what he just said here. I know that Jesus said that he knows what we need and he'll take care of it. I see it here. I just don't know if I believe it. We might say things like, I, I know what God says is right and wrong. I, I, I can read. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dumb. I can read the standards that God has put in his word. 
but I don't know if I can trust him. I want, a, I want a life that is fulfilled and satisfied. And I'm afraid that if I do what God's saying and, and, and I follow his priorities and his standards, I might miss out on something fun. I might miss out on something that, that is promising me fulfillment, that is promising me satisfaction and joy. Can I really trust that what God is offering me will provide that? Is God going to be enough? And Jesus is challenging us, listen, take fear off of the priority list completely and make trusting God the priority on that list. Just live a simple life. I love how he just condenses this down into two things. Just a simple life that's centered on the priorities of God. What's God want for my life today? How do I pursue his priorities? How do I pursue his passions today? How do I live a life of obedience trusting God to meet our needs and to fill our lives with all the joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction that we desire, trusting that he's enough. Get your priorities straight. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've learned throughout the years that people seem to enjoy stories of failure in my life, so I'm going to share one with you now. I want to share with you just uh, from my own life, a season of life where admittedly my priorities were upside down, misplaced, not in the right order, not God honoring. And I also want to tell you how, what God did in my life to help resolve that and, and to change that in my life. When my son... Elijah was in elementary school, I think is when it probably started. And I would say even up and through maybe some of the junior high years in his life. For me, sports had just an absolutely unhealthy, unspiritual priority in my heart. And I don't want you to hear me saying something that I'm not. I am not saying that sports has no value because it absolutely does. I'm a football coach and I see the value of teaching teamwork and, and teaching hard work, showing up on time, cleaning up your stuff because your mom's not your maid. All of these kind of things are important things that we try to instill in, in the students that we coach. But for me, in my heart, what had happened was I was every day putting pressure on my son to perform. I was critiquing every little thing pushing him to be more aggressive, more intense. And now he can tell you this story if he wants to share it with you. I'll give you my version of it. Uh, he remembers a time, he used to call these things, uh, these talks, truck talks. That's what he used to call them. Oh, we're going to have a truck talk. Because we would come home from practice in my truck, and he didn't really want to hear what I had to say. And one time I took him to McDonald's because the truck talk wasn't going to be long enough. And so... We walk in, and he remembers it vividly. I don't remember this as much, but he'll tell the story this way, that we sat down, and I said to him, you better go order something. We're going to be here a while. And even hearing that now out loud, I'm like, what What was going on in my heart? That was creating this distance between us. I didn't see it. 
I didn't know that it was really happening, but it was. We had a grace group that I was part of. Uh, like It was a Sunday morning grace group uh, at the time. And one of the lessons that we had, I don't even remember what the arching theme was that day, but I do remember this question that was asked in the middle of the grace group because it just smacked me in the face. The question was this, would you rather have a son or a daughter who loves Jesus first and everything else in their life is secondary or a star athlete, an academic superstar that puts Jesus at a distance in priority? That was the question. And listen, I know that there are uh, top-level athletes that love Jesus. Tim Tebow is a, a great example. And I know that there are top-level academics like Sean McDowell that absolutely love Jesus. Right? They exist. It's possible. I get it. I'm saying for me what was happening is I was needing to wrestle with the question, am I more proud of who my children are in their relationship with Christ than I am in anything else that they do? That was the question I needed to wrestle with. Would I rather have a son who puts Jesus first in his life than anything else you could put on that priority list or that list of accomplishments. And that moment, that question, it forced me, I guess, to, to address some of the misplaced priorities in my life and begin to ask God to reorder them in my heart. And those of you who know my daughter Hannah, those of you who might know my son Elijah, you, I'm sure you know there are some things that, if I wanted to, I could rattle off a couple things that I'm proud of. But I just know this now. I just know that the thing that I am most satisfied in my soul over, the thing that I am most fulfilled as a dad over, is knowing that they love Jesus. The thing that I want more than anything as a dad, is to, is to watch them put Jesus in first priority in their lives. If, if, that, if that is true in their lives, there is nothing else you could put on a list of accomplishments that would be greater than that in my heart. Nothing. It got me thinking about the cross. Have you ever wondered what was on the top of the list of priorities when Jesus went to the cross? I can tell you it wasn't fear. It wasn't greed. It certainly wasn't status. It was love. It was love for you and it was love for me. It was a priority of obedience to the Father. If those things had not been the priority of Jesus, you and I would be without hope this morning. And if you have not yet put your faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross to pay your sin debt and the power of His resurrection from the dead to make you right with God, to transform your life, then that needs to be the greatest priority in your life right now. There is nothing else more important than your eternal soul being right with God. Nothing. And if that is a step of faith that you know you need to take, you can come uh, talk to one of our pastors on, uh, on our website, gracefellowship.online. There's a, an easy button that says, I'm ready. Hit the button. It'll walk you down through the, the truth of the gospel, a simple prayer to pray, 
Let us know if we can help. And I'm also thinking a lot about the woodworker in that video who asked an unsettling question. At the end, he, he asked this question, and maybe it's one that's bouncing around in your mind and your heart. Is it too late? I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room who can look back over their life and find some misplaced priorities. And maybe you're wondering, is it too late? Is it too late to realign some priorities in my life that need to be reordered? Well, I'm going to do a quick scientific experiment, a quick scientific test with you, all right? Here, here's how it goes. It's pretty simple. I think you'll be okay. You ready? Check and make sure that you are breathing. Okay, here's the next one, all right? You're breathing, good. Next one, is there a pulse? All right, so if you are still breathing and you have a pulse, here's scientifically what that means. You're still alive, congratulations. And if you are still alive, if you are still breathing, if your heart is still beating, it's not too late. It's not too late. We can get our priorities straight and we can keep them aligned with the things that honor God. We can keep them aligned in such a way that they will bring fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. And you're wondering, I don't know sure how I figure all of that out. I'm just going to give you a couple quick things to think through, and then we'll be done. And hopefully you'll take them with you, and they'll be helpful to you today throughout this week. If you want to evaluate where your priorities are, you're like, okay, what's on my list? What's on the list? Ask yourself some questions. Where do I spend most of my time? Where do I spend most of my money? What does your Amazon cart history reveal about what matters to you? How about your thoughts? What dominates your thoughts throughout the day? How about your conversations? If you took a, a survey of your conversations throughout the day, what do you talk about the most? How about this one? If two things were competing for the same space of time, two things are competing in your life for the same space of resources. They can't occupy the same space of time. You can't spend the dollar twice. If two things are competing for the same space of time and or resources, which one wins the battle? I'll give you an even more concrete example. Let's say... We're trying to figure out, what do we do? We've got summer camp coming up this summer with Camp Manawagon, right? That's one way we could spend time and resources at summer camp at Camp Manawagon. And then we have something out here that is competing with that. I don't know what it is. But we have something that is saying, no, 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 don't go to Camp Manawagon this summer. Uh, do this instead. Now they're, they're competing for the same space of time and resources. Which one's going to win? Which which one of those, which one of those is, is going to result in an investment in your spiritual maturity? Which one's going to make a greater spiritual impact on your life? I would argue it'd be hard to find something out here that's going to have a greater spiritual impact than a week at camp. Maybe you can find something, prove me wrong, fine. Let's go for it. Camp's pretty important. But which one's going to win the battle? 
as you're evaluating your priorities, and I'm not saying that mine are always uh, where I want them to be either. I think this is a daily, uh, a daily tension that we live in. I, I think it's something that we need to constantly be evaluating in our hearts and asking God to help us with. But here's something I think that will really help you and me as we look at our priorities and we evaluate. This is what they are. They, maybe it's not what we want. Maybe it's not what it should be, but this is what they are. Okay, how do, I, how do I, first of all, take the things off of that board, off of that sheet that don't belong there? If it's wrong, if it's sinful, if it's not okay, it comes off the list. You don't even have to think about it. Get rid of it. It doesn't belong on the list. shouldn't be in your life, let alone your priority. Okay, so now we're left with good things. And as we're trying to figure out uh, what needs to be in, in first position, we're like, wow, being a good parent is, a, is a, a priority for me, but also being a good husband is a priority. And so I'm going to spend 37 minutes with my kids and 43 minutes with my wife, and I'm going to bounce that around. Don't do that. Keep it simple. We have a tendency to overcomplicate things. Just ask this. As you're looking at the priorities of good things in your life, things that matter, go through and just ask, all right, this one. How can I put God in first position, in first priority in my marriage? How can I put God in first position, in first priority as a parent? How can I put God in first position, in first priority at work, at school, on my team, in my entertainment choices? You just go down through the list of things, whatever it is, eating, drinking, whatever it is, how can I put God first in that priority? What can I do to make sure that God gets the glory, to make sure that God has my heart in whatever this is that I'm pursuing, to make sure that I'm uh, being obedient, that I'm, that I'm pursuing the things that matter to Him? Just ask that simple question, and I think, I believe, that your life, my life, will be better because of it. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's what I know about God's treasure. Jesus said that God's treasure doesn't fade. God's treasure can't be taken from us. God's treasure, the things that matter to him have eternal value. So if I'm pursuing the things that matter to him, I'm pursuing something that's worthwhile, that deserves to be in top priority. I know it's not easy. It's not easy in my life. I'm sure it's not easy in yours either. But with God's help, day by day, he can help us with it.